You are listening to the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast with host Kevin Jefferson. This is the number one podcast for African-American real estate professionals who are doing extraordinary things. It's time to tune in. And now your host, the people's lender, Kevin Jefferson. Jefferson. Welcome to the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson. In today's episode, we have a fellow podcaster by the name of Candle Lockett. How are you, Candle? Hey, hey, hey. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Sure, you're lighting it up over there. I am. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of lit over here. (laughs) That's what's up. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay, I am a... I would say all things real estate, uh, which is kind of crazy because everything I do is centered around real estate. I sell it. I own it. I manage it. I flip it. Um, gosh, I um, I also am a broker. I write about it and I talk about it through the podcast. So, yeah. And everything is about real estate. Wow. So, yeah, I love it. So so where are you originally from? I'm originally from Chattanooga, Tennessee. OK, Chattanooga. Yeah. Yep. And I grew up there. My parents were real estate investors and we didn't know it at the time, me and my brother. But all we remember is pretty much getting some paintbrushes thrown in our hand around the age of seven or eight. And it's like, here, paint this room. We got to get ready for a tenant. And then you're going to go to McDonald's later. We had no idea what was going on, who this tenant was, that we actually owned the house. It didn't make any sense. But my parents exposed us to the the benefits of having a property. <laughs> As we got older, we started to see like, oh, we had cars in college because the properties were paying for the car notes. So it just kind of rubbed up, rubbed up on me. And now my brother's finally getting a little whiff of it. But yeah, it was always in me. So when did they tell you or did they ever tell you or you, you and your brother figured it out? This was the thing. It was kind of like my parents, they were really humble. They didn't really say like where the money was going or what they were doing with the rent. We were just kids. They didn't try to, you know, put us on budgets or explain how the money works or how the money system is. We really weren't like financially lit. My brother was more than me. Um, I really didn't care. But I love going to Home Depot with my dad. My dad said, oh, I got to go fix something on a property. I'm going to Home Depot. I'm like, Dad, I want to go with you. And even then, it was never really explained. I just knew we had to go fix something. We're going to Home Depot, which I love to go to. And we would go to a property, fix it. I remember also learning how to do uh, receipts (laughs) because my dad would go in person to go collect the rent. And so we go from house to house collecting the rent. And I would love to write the receipts and get the receipt book and get the cash and, you know, count it. But we still I still didn't get the concept of what was going on. So in college, I remember um, when I came to Fort Valley State, my freshman year, I didn't get a car. My sophomore year, I told my mom I wanted a car because I want to start having more freedom and not be, you know, responsible for. Um, I wanted to be responsible. I'll take that back because you had friends that drink, and I was like, I don't want to be in cars with me that I will be able to be take responsibility of my own self and my own life if I had my own car. My mom was like, Okay, you get a job, and we'll take the rent, and we'll just start, you know, paying your car note. And I'm like, Take the rent. Still didn't make any sense to me because all these years I never figured out that they actually own the properties outright and they were collecting the money. So I think as I got older and just wiser about money, it started making sense. So that's, I'm trying to figure out like why we don't get those lessons taught to us. Right. So I was a realtor Mm -hmm. back in Delaware. And as I got into real estate, there were people that I knew of that owned real estate. Like, for instance, my mother's godfather, Mm -hmm. he rented where he lived, but owned a duplex across the street from him. Literally, I walk out of his front door and I go across the little street and I'm at a duplex that belongs to him. He never 
said anything to us about not that it was his he had to but he yeah. never said hey come here let me show you something this is what you do yeah. and then i have friends who grandparents own multiple real estate properties but they never the only way the kids even knew about they knew about it but they didn't know about it yeah. so that's where i'm like why aren't why weren't we taught this um yeah we were taught other things you know what I mean? But yeah. why weren't we taught about real estate? We you probably just like me, go to college, get a good job, mm-hmm. get the gold watch yeah. and the turkey or ham when you retire. But yeah. never. Hey, if you get a job and your degree, buy some real estate yeah. like home home ownership wasn't pushed. Now, I grew up. My mom owned her home, so I've never lived in an apartment Mm -hmm. and I've only rented once. And that's because I moved here. We had to. Right. But we only rent it for like 10 months. Uh So the comp. But she never talked to me about home ownership. Wow. She never said buy a home. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? But I got her into rentals and she was game. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But she never said, hey, buy you a house now. You know, like it. but she owned her home. Wow. I mean, since she was like 23. Yeah. 23, 24. So I just wonder why we don't get those things passed down to us. Um, and we we learn. So now yeah. we're I guess that's, you know, the evolution of our culture. Mm-hmm. Now we're learning. Like my, I told my two sons, I got one rule. Mm-hmm. Don't ever sell your grandma's house. Yes. Keep it in the family. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't ever sell. it. You know, yeah. what I mean, don't ever sell your grandma's house. And as we do, you know, acquire rentals, Mm -hmm. I take them to them. They see I educate them on it. Right. Right. Um, But I just don't like when you said that, I was like, man, like they never told you. They just had you painting. So I'm and I know I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but I got a story for everything. Right. Okay. (laughs) So when my brother was in high school, his shop teacher owned properties Mm -hmm. around us. And I used to, he would hire the kids from the high school. If a tenant moved out, he would have them paint. Mm -hmm. So my brother, uh, either my brother asked him or I went along and he had me sanding walls. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I just assumed that he owned the house and I was probably fifth grade. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just assumed that he owned the house, but he never elaborated and explained anything to us. And then he became my shop teacher. Wow. But he never told it. Never told it. But we reconnected Mm -hmm. because then when I got into real estate, I saw the properties that he had available, which was raw land. And I reached out to him because I had a client that was looking to build and Mm -hmm. he had retired and became a builder. And then we did a deal together. Uh So then we talked about it and then he told me about the different rental. So then he told me about the different rental properties, but Mm -hmm. that was a 20 year gap. Yeah. So I just wonder why when he had my captive attention as a 10 year old, Mm -hmm. he wasn't like, hey, listen, what I'm doing is I own these homes. I fix them up. Mm -hmm. I put tenants in place. They pay me monthly. If something happens, we put them out and then we this is what you guys are doing. You're cleaning it up, painting it. They get it ready for the next tenant. Yeah. Never, never taught us that. Yeah. Um, which is crazy because I just had a conversation with a guy that I went to school with mm-hmm. and the middle school shop teacher and him just did a deal together. But I'm mm-hmm. and I asked him the same thing. I said, I wonder why they didn't tell us this when we were young. They waited until we had money to partner with them, yeah. but they never told us how to get to them to the money or how to do what they're doing. 
Yeah. And they were both African-American. Yeah. I think for my parents, they were more geared towards me and my brother getting secure jobs that would pay monthly that was guaranteed. I think for them, because every real estate investor has their own strategy. Right. Their strategy was this is our retirement nest egg. This is another stream of income, even though we have two coming in. This eventually when our kids get ready to go to college will be another stream of income. So we don't have to pay out of pocket. Our kids don't have student loans. And we can do whatever we want to do with it. So, I mean, I think that could have been why they never explained it to us while we were kids. But it was never because my parents never said, OK, I'm about to quit this job and go full time in real estate investing. It was never that. They worked until they retired at their full time jobs. Do they still own those properties? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. My father passed away, but we still have the properties. That's what made me get my real estate license. Because okay. I wanted to make sure that we preserved them and I knew more about real estate. And then when I got in class to get my license, it was just like a no brainer. Like, oh, my God, everything in this thing, in this class, the book, the teacher, it just it was it made sense. It was like I was in kindergarten. There was nothing hard about real estate to me. And I'm coming from an education background. Been, I've been a kindergarten teacher for over like 10 years. And all of a sudden I'm in this classroom about real estate and uh, mortgages and land. And I was like, I should have been here a long time ago. This is it. I don't know. I always had a fear of it because um, everybody I knew kept saying, you need to go into real estate. You need to go into real estate. And I'm like, why? I've never heard of why I need to go into real estate. Because like I said, my parents never really said you need to get a property. They never put it on me nor my brother. But it's something about when I got that class, it just everything just made sense. And then um, we did a segment. My teacher was African-American and she said, you know, about homeownership among African-Americans. And I'm just like, wait, did you just say, did you just say that we're like the second largest population, but we are the lowest population or group of minorities with homeownership? Oh, I know what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. I'm gonna tell everybody in their mama they need to be getting properties. Because I had um, just so many people that I knew that were just renting for no reason, bad credit for no reason and not owning. And I'm just like, okay, if I know I can do something with this license and I can start talking about this, I'm going to make a difference. And that's what I just started doing. Wow. Yeah. So you touched on that you went to school, you were a kindergarten teacher for 10 years. Yeah. Um, And I know you said that your father passed. Did your father pass and then you got into real estate? Yeah. Yeah. It was actually ironic. A conversation with one of my dad's best friends who was his financial advisor advisor. Um, ironically, I don't know why he said it to me. I guess he thought I was bougie or what, but he was just like, just to let you know, like most heirs lose all their um, inheritance within two years. And I'm just like, what? You talking to me? Like, okay. And at first I was like kind of mad about it, but I'm so glad he planted that seed in me. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do the exact opposite of what he just said. We're not selling any properties. We're not going to pay off any bills with real estate or none of that stuff. We are actually going to keep buying more properties. So at at that time, a friend said, have you thought about going to real estate school? And I was like, you know what? Yes, I will finally answer the call and I will go to real estate school. So once I got in it, I was like, okay, now I know how to get more properties because I mean, real estate investing finally started making sense to me. And yeah, everything just made sense in that class. So it was like it was a no brainer that we were going to get more and more properties and just maintain the ones we had as well. Yeah. So what year is this? This was like Seven years ago, like seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. So 20, wow. 2014. Yeah. Wow. Um. So what was your first deal like as an agent? My first real estate deal. Oh gosh. It took forever to get there. 
Oh, gosh. As a real estate agent, my first deal was a cash buyer. His name was Malcolm. And I was doing the getting the leads by Realtor.com. And I hated those leads because you didn't know it was a hit or miss at the time. And it was too good to be true because he was like, hey, yeah, ma'am, I'm from Atlanta. And he was a little rough around the edges, but the sweetest heart. He's like, I'm from Atlanta. And I just got this payout because our houses were in this area where the mayor is paying us to leave and I filled out my paperwork and I got like a hundred and something cash. And I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So I told him I meet him at this property. So he found the property, really nice property. And I told an agent that was a male in my office because we had just started together. And I said, Hey, come with me over here to meet this guy. And because I was like, I wasn't sure if it was a hoax or not, you know, and so we go and he was Malcolm was there. He loved the property. And I remember my friend David, we were brand new agents. He was doing overthinking the whole thing. Like, man, are you sure? Maybe you need to think about it. Maybe said this. And I'm looking at him like, dude, he in love with this thing. He is in love with this. Be quiet. So he was like, yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. Let me think about it. I'm just like, we could have wrote our first offer. So then um, like, I called him like two days later and I was like, what's going on? And he had never bought a house before, didn't have any clue. And I was like, you know, and he had talked to all of these agents. And it was just something about how I was talking to him about it. I said, let me educate you on what you're doing, because I don't want you to get the wrong idea about real estate and how, you know, to preserve it. Because he didn't know. He just happened to get this check. And that's what I went into the teaching mode. And I was like, I really do like this. And I, you know, explained to him how to go about it. Because I remember he had to put down like $10,000. It was an investor that had it. $10,000 cash. And he brought $10,000 cash to the attorney. (laughs) And the attorney's called me like, this man, Malcolm brought. I was like, oh my God. I said, Malcolm, no, go to the bank. Give it to them. Get a cashier's check. You can't. I mean, it was just those littlest things. And I felt so like good because I'm like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And with that, I was like, now go back and tell your friends how to do it or your neighbors how to do this so that you can get your license or you can tell them how to do it and increase home ownership. And we became really, really good friends. And to this day, we still speak. He always calls me Miss Lady. But I mean, he got the house cash and I can only imagine what it's worth now because he got it right before the market started to turn. And I mean, right. he got like 118, that thing is worth close to probably 300,000 now. Wow. Yeah, so that was the, that was my very first deal. Yeah. How long from getting your license to Malcolm was mm-hmm. how much time was in between? Oh, it was not a lot of time. <clears throat> the problem was with me, I got the license in September, right around Labor Day. And the person that en- encouraged me to get my license said, hey, come up under me, I'll create a team. And that was at Palmer House. So when I went to Palmer House, I didn't really have a lot of knowledge about how to conduct the sales. I had all the real estate sense. I knew a lot about real estate, but I, I didn't know how to convert leads. I didn't know how to um, to talk to clients. I didn't have the scripts, the objections and all that other stuff. So she just said, how about you go over to Keller Williams? And I'm like, okay, and take a class. So I took the little Keller Williams beginning class for agents or whatever. And when I started taking that class, I'm not kidding. It went from like zero clients because right after Malcolm, I had zero. I went from zero clients to literally up to maybe eight. And then I had like six under contract and two listings. It just blew up because everything just started to make sense. But eventually I left Palmer House because I just didn't everything. It I had the, well, it was two things that were happening. One, I didn't have the support that I needed because I really didn't want new agents there. And then two, I had to change my mindset because it was inconceivable to me because I was a teacher. How in the world I could make $9,000 from one deal? And then I had four deals on the table. I was like, there's no way. Not when I was a kindergarten teacher and I was only making $3,500 a month. That doesn't Ooh. make sense. So I was in my own way. <laughs> 
So once I got past that, then the deals started coming. But yeah, it was easy the, getting the deals because I talked about real estate to everybody. Any If anybody needed real estate help, I didn't need a lead. I didn't need to do the deal. I would just say, hey, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. I suggest you do this. You need to go do that. And I never would. I just said, just put it out there with no expectations. And with that, it just worked. I just put it out there in the universe and the universe just brought it, the leads and the, the conversions back. Wow. Yeah. So with... So what was that thing that helped you change your mindset? Because it didn't just happen, though. It didn't. I remember specifically, I remember having to listen to podcasts. I was reading. Um, it wasn't Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was Think and Grow Rich. It was I had to get into a David and I and some other agents that were brand new. We created a, um, a mastermind group for realtors. So surrounding myself with them. And I had to let go of my teacher friends because I couldn't get into that mentality because all they said was, girl, if it don't work, come on back to the classroom. I got like, no, <laughs> I can't hear this. I'm going to have to let y'all go. I need to get over here with these realtors that are talking about we're going to do nine contracts in a month. So changing my tribe, that was beneficial. I remember taking a dollar bill and I ended up getting a, a permanent marker and writing like a million dollars on it. And I would put it above my bed at night. So that would be the first thing I see. It was constant affirmations. Uh... And then just being around those agents, that was another thing. Those agents that were making like a million a year, that helped a lot too. Because she's like, girl, if you could do it, I could do it too. I was like, oh, okay. So it's just just being acclimated to that sense of wealth. That, And then also too, I got into, uh, can I think of it? Um, bold. KW had this bold class. And uh, yeah, my team leader sponsored me. And she was like, uh, baby, I don't understand why you're not converting nine contracts right now. Let me put you in bold. And it just changed everything. Wow. Yeah. So how many times have you taken both? I only took it one time. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have to do it every single time. I have a good friend. He does it every time. It's every opportunity he takes it just to reignite him. Me, I got the concept the first time. And I was like, and I love reading books. So I'm like, I could just read Tony Robbins and get the same effect, you know, or listen to a podcast or find something on YouTube and still get that motivation. Gotcha. Have you read Think and Grow Rich, The uh, Black Perspective with I Dennis Kimbrough? I have. I read it years ago mm-hmm. and I'm listening to it now on Audible. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that's it's very insightful. Um, mm-hmm. It's very insightful. So we go from Palmer House to KW yeah. and then we go from changing our mindset. So switching up our circle. Yeah. Once you did that, um, how did your business take off? It blew up. But the crazy part was it wasn't long after Malcolm. I just put on Facebook. I'm, you know, I'm a realtor and a good friend that I knew from college said, hey, we need to find a house and I need to find a house for my mom. And it was it wasn't hard, but it was hard because I it was good for me because I learned from it. I was like, you know, there's no bad experience with any client whatsoever. You're going to get 10 lessons out of it. And I was so glad it was in my mind difficult because I was Malcolm was just too easy. So I needed something like, no, you're really going to work for this money now. Because like, yeah, Malcolm spoiled me, whereas Shelly was more of very detailed. She was very smart. She was knowledgeable. Her and her husband, they knew a lot of information, which means if they're coming with me with information, I've got to get back more, even more <laughs> information than they were given. So is she, I had to do my homework. I had to step up. I had to find those houses. I had to negotiate. And it really made me like, Candle, this is really in you. You're capable of doing this. 
So it was it was really, really good for me to do it with her. But the funny part about that experience with um, with Shelly and her husband, it was a difficult job because we were doing a hard, a new, I thought I say hard, hard construction loan. No, working on a deal. I'm sorry. We were doing <laughs> new construction. And with that new construction, it was the builders were not the, the best. They were not the, the best gentleman um, representative. The, the realtor was not the nicest. I'll say it like that. And it got frustrating, very frustrating. And I just and I didn't want to say, oh, it's because I'm a woman. Oh, it's because I'm a black woman. Oh, it's because I'm a brand new. I mean, I, I was like, no, we're, we're out of excuses. We're going to get this thing done. And it was so difficult. Um, it was a difficult deal. But we finally got to the closing table. I remember going to my broker because I had to get her involved. And she ended up having to call the builder. And I mean, it, it was really, really bad. No, she called the agent and then she called the builder. I mean, it was bad. So I was like, it's good to know it wasn't me. So it's like, OK. And my um, team leader was a white woman. So I was like, OK, Candle, so you can just X out. It's not about a black thing. This is who they are. Um, because I had so many scenarios or stereotypes in my mind of why I couldn't do certain things. And I had to get rid of all those barriers. So with this deal, she said, Kendall, you've got to find something good in this deal. Because I was like, I'm going back to the classroom. I'm going back to teach kindergarten. You can have the rest of these contracts. I'm through with this. I don't ever have an agent tell me that I'm this or that. I mean, the agent was horrible. And she was like, Kendall, just find something good in this. And I was like, okay, what could be something good in this? And so when I started looking back on the relationship that me and Shelly had, it all started at Fort Valley State University. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me give to the school. So that's when I started making this bigger because I, you know, you always need a why in anything you do. And yes, I wanted to increase homeowner home ownership in the minority sector. And I also wanted to start increasing minority businesses in the real estate investing sector. But it was like, still, I could also give. So I figured out another why was giving back. And it made me feel not as guilty about making so much money when I was giving so much money away as well. So that was pretty much what it I needed to make it really take off. And once I started giving back to Fort Valley State, it just went from here to there immediately. And I mean, I got in rooms that I didn't think I was going to be in or ever perceive myself being in just because of how I was giving back to the school and also talking about real estate. It made me more comfortable about, OK, I just made nine thousand dollars a day. But guess what? I'm giving a portion of that back, you know, to someone else that may need it. So I didn't feel as guilty about doing real estate deals. Wow. So in terms of, so what stopped you from going back? I know you said Shelly talked to you, but what Mm -hmm. stopped you from saying, hey, really take these contracts and I'm going back into the classroom? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of people come up against adversity and they go back to what they know, because even though that kindergarten teacher is not an easy job. But it was familiar. Right. It was easy. I knew it was like going back to your ex-boyfriend. Like, you know what you get when you go go back with him. It was the same thing. Like, I knew what to expect. I knew the curriculum. I didn't have to work hard for it. It was easy. Yeah. So what stopped you from going back? When uh, my team leader told me to find something bigger in this situation. And I realized that I could, you know, give back to us. Like, you know what? I met Shelly at Fort Valley State. Why not start giving back to the school? And once I did that and I um, I remember I got like a big check and I took it to closing. And I mean, she was this it was just a fulfilling moment knowing like, hey, Shelly, you know, we I got to get back to where it all started. And I just gave back and it just it was so fulfilling. It was like an obsession because the more I wanted to get back to the school, the more I wanted to talk more about real estate, the more I wanted to do more deals. So it was a win win situation because my thing was, oh, I don't want to make, you know, uh, uh, do, you know, 30,000 deals. I was like, no, I want I need to make sure I'm giving 20 that 20 scholarships back to the students of Fort Valley State. That was my goal. It 
wasn't even about the volume that I was creating. Wow. Yeah. So once you decided to continue um, and after this ordeal, (laughs) essentially that you had, um, how did you how did your business start to uh, grow? Word of mouth. Um, definitely social media. I got more comfortable on social media. I have to give a lot back to Fort Valley State because I had so many people supporting me because they were watching me and they were like, hey, I got this wildcat that's a realtor. You need to work with her. So they were sending me leads because they knew I was giving back to the school. So it was a win-win situation. Like, hey, if you help my cousin get a house, I know money's going back to the school. So this is a win-win thing. So it ended up uh, helping me a lot, establish a lot of relationships within the university and also with just people on social media because they would always share my posts, especially if they saw me giving a check back to the school it was going to be shared. Then they were like, oh, wow, it's a realtor that's giving back her own commission. And you couldn't find any other realtors doing that. And I wasn't doing it to say, I'm going to be different. You got to work with me. I was doing it because that's what I needed to do to stay in real estate because there was no way I could give that money back as a kindergarten teacher. Right. Yeah. So at what point did you uh, buy your first? uh, So what was first, your first home or an investment property? Ooh. It was. That's a good question. That's a complicated question. <laughs> Let's see. My first, I will say, I, I bought several houses, and some of them I've converted into rental properties. So it's like it's kind of hard to determine how to answer that one. The first, I guess, my very first house was a house that I lived in. It was a a townhome. Yeah. And do you still own the townhome? No, I don't own it anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So, how many properties do you own now, currently? Hmm. I would say, honestly, I don't keep up with them like that. I would say between, because we made it into a family affair. Okay. Yeah. So I think we're probably around seven or eight. I think it's seven or eight. I know we're about to list one, but we're about to gain another. So (laughs) I think it's around seven or eight. And then, um, yeah, because we're in multiple states. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so since it's a family affair, uh-huh. um, what is is there an amount that you guys have set, or is it just kind like if it's a good deal, we evaluate it as a family and we buy? That's a great question. Actually, like my mom is more of the manager. My brother is just more so of the if you like it, I love it type thing. Just he's a composer. <laughs> yeah, just get it. He's a composer. So he's like, I'm gonna let my sister take care of it. So it's more so <clears throat> for me, like I'm thinking long term for us. Like um, we I want to set aside, you know, probably said when we retire, you know, this house can pay for our vacations. This house can pay that because it's kind of like from I'm still giving back in a sense because I know my brother has no interest in real estate. He doesn't, but he's been it's in his blood. He gets it. He has an MBA. He's very smart. But for me, it's like, okay, if I know enough to where if I see a great opportunity for my brother, I'm going to jump on it and I'll get it. So that way in the future, it could be paying off, you know, things for him. So if he wants to travel the world, this house is going to pay for it. So it's more so of me taking the lead on finding the deals. And I was like, hey, y'all, the business meeting. All right, I found this. What do y'all think? And my brother's like, okay, if the numbers work, run it. My mom was like, okay, let's do it. And that's just pretty much how we operate. Because we pretty much have the same idea that, you know, this is for retirement. Um, and we just want to take the properties and pay them off as soon as possible, because that's our strategy, so that we can just start getting all the cash flow. So... How how did the conversation come up between you and your mother about being a part of the investment since they never really told you and your brother? It wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good. My mom Mama didn't I go off, did she? She found out I got my real estate license through Facebook. Oh. It was hard. It was very 
hard. It was hard might be an understatement um, because she had always just planned for me to be in a safe position, to be a teacher, to retire as a teacher. And if, oh, okay, if you have a property, that's good. But if not, I need to get that teacher retirement. She just wanted to make sure that her daughter was safe. So when she figured out that I got my real estate license, she was like very upset. But then she just said, you just made her make sure you keep that certificate um, active and don't let it go inactive. And you take those CE courses so that you can always go back into the classroom if necessary. And I was like, okay, agreed. But I think once, um, she's also a Fort Valley State University graduate as well. So I think once her friends started saying like, hey, I saw Candle giving a check or I or her friends saying, I saw Candle doing something on Facebook, selling or whatever. She was like, okay, she's really doing something. She's really into this thing. And so it kind of like dissipated. It really didn't, you know, scare her in the beginning as much as it at, at the end as far as, it, as far as it did in the beginning. So at what point did she decide to go ahead and jump in and invest with you? Um, When she heard the podcast. Wow. Yeah. I think it was when she when she heard the podcast, because the first person I interviewed was my very best, my very best childhood friend who she knows. And so I was like, mom, I started this podcast. She said, what is the podcast? And I'm like, mom, just tell Alexa to play, you know, lighting up real estate podcast. And when she heard it, she listened to like four episodes back to back. And she was like, wow, okay. She wouldn't say I knew a lot. She wouldn't say this is really good. Well, no, she did say it was really good. She started telling everybody about it. Like, if you got Alexa, you can listen to my daughter on her <laughs> podcast. Which was so cute. But I think once she started hearing me talk about it, like Kendall knows a lot. Okay, let me give her the benefit of the doubt. So then she started saying, you know what? You know, we got this tenant going on with this. You know, what should we do? Or, hey, call this tenant and do such and such. So she's giving me a lot more responsibilities now, which I'm liking. So I think once I did the podcast, it was kind of like, okay, this girl knows what she's talking about. So tell us about the podcast. What's the name of it? Mm, It's called Lighting Up Real Estate. And how did you come up with the name? Because Candle, Candle, (laughs) Candle is lighting up real estate. Yeah. Um, awesome. So how, tell, tell us how that came about the podcast. Oh, wow. It's a great story. I am a mentor because I ended up flipping a property, um, at Fort Valley State, um, university, not too far from it. Cause, uh, some sorority sisters <laughs> were like, Miss Kendall, we need a place to stay. And I was like, okay, I'll buy you guys a house. You guys live in it. Well, they ended up not liking it. But the good part is it happened right before COVID. So I was able to just take shelter in place down here. But before they had to um, leave to go home, before COVID got really bad, I was mentoring some students. And we would always just talk about real estate investing. We were talking about stocks and cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, all of the things that they just wanted to know about how to make their money work for them. Because I think I had a conversation with them when they got their student loans. And I was like, hey, don't spend your student loan. Invest in something. And then the money you make from those students, I mean, from whatever your asset is, then you spend that. But you always have the asset. So when I told them that, it just kind of like, oh, my God, we got to talk to you. Oh, my God, can you spend some time with us and just, you know, just pour into us and we can ask you questions. So I was like, sure. So one particular day I was talking to my best friend, Melanie, and we were she was looking at some properties because she's also a real estate investor. And we were talking about some land that she wanted to get, trying to decide, you know, if we could get it zoned for a mixed use where it was, you know, shops at the bottom and residents at the top. Now, to have this conversation is nothing. I talk about real estate all day. So when I went to go see them, they were like, well, so how's your day going? You know, what's going on? I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. I just got through talking about this mixed-use property with my best friend and their mouths just dropped. 
And I'm like, what's wrong? And like, gosh, can we be on the fly on the wall hearing somebody talk about mixed use property and buying land? And then it, it, it was that one moment then when I it happened, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how privileged I am. For one, to be able to, for someone to call me to ask me about building wealth, you know, buying another asset. Whereas a lot of people don't have these conversations with others. Like they have conversations about like how they're going to pay a bill or talking about getting some new Nikes or anything other than building wealth. So it was kind of like, I don't take this lightly. And I remember I'm a big fan of T.D. Jakes. And he always says, um, when much is given, much is required, which is in the Bible. And I was like, you know what? I have been given a lot. It is it is up to me. If, if I know something, I need to say something. A candle loses nothing to light another. So I called my best friend, Melanie. I said, Melanie, you know what? I want to start a podcast. And I explained to her what just happened with the mentees. And she was like, girl, let's do it. And she's very, very quiet, private about real estate investing. And she was like, let's do it. And then I called another friend that was a real estate investor. And then I called another friend that was a real estate investor. And before I knew it, I had four episodes we put out at one time and then it just took off from there. Wow. Yeah. So so I've listened to it and that's why I had to reach out to you because it's, I mean, it's an amazing podcast, you know, you. taking um, different aspects of real estate because real estate isn't just buying a house. No, there's so many other facets of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, you know, I mean, so one of my new favorite podcasts. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Thank um, you. What is the goal? Like, what's the end goal for the podcast? The end goal for the podcast, if I could just get one person that has heard it say, hey, I want to take this course from the guest or, hey, I want to go on YouTube and, and learn more about real estate investing or, hey, I want to just try real estate investing or just have a conversation with my parents about, hey, y'all, we need to get a property because I have all um, kinds of listeners and ages listening to it. And if I could just get one to say, hey, I listened to this and it's inspired me to go do that and I can make a transformation um, just by putting somebody on my platform. And I'm, that's the end goal. Wow. Yeah, because I don't want to say and I think that's one thing why I have so many guests that want to be on the show is we just don't want to say that we have all of this knowledge when we meet God. And it's like, you know, God, you know, we, we use everything that you gave us. Not if you're not telling everybody how you got wealthy or you could tell somebody how a house can pay your electric bill or your car note. You're not using your gifts. And I think also, too, we always get caught up in, you know, the courses right now, the big thing or having consultations or, you know, uh, or the big, uh, I guess, conferences where people meet and learn about real estate investing or anything right now. But it's like there's still some people that say, hey, I don't want to get paid anything. I just want to share something. And it's up to them if they want to listen to it. And it's all free. So that's what I just created the blog for, because I write a lot of stuff about real estate investing. It's free. I have resources on my website, mylifeinrealestate.com. It's all free. I mean, it's just like there's no reason why anybody can because there's so much free stuff out there. And I wanted the platform specifically to be free. So like I put step by step, like, how did you do this? Or and even contact information. I'm telling you, like, OK, if I interview you, they need to know how to reach you because they're going to be trying to reach out to you. And that's what I want them to be able to do. And so that's why I just created it. So how has having the podcast uh, affected your business? Woo. It was hard at first. I had to get my ego out of the way because I didn't know exactly why God put it in me to create the podcast. It was like I was in between trying to figure out what to do because I was still stuck in this small town and everybody in Atlanta was like selling houses like crazy. Whereas for me, I was still in shelter in place in um, Fort Valley, Georgia. So I didn't get it. But I think the more I started talking to more and more real estate investors, it was like, OK, now I'm understanding why I'm here. 
Because I kept saying, but God, they're making so much money. God, they're millionaires. They just bought a Bentley. They just did this. They're about to buy a yacht. I mean, I've talked to these investors and they're doing a lot with their money. And I'm just sitting here like, okay, when's the cash flow coming from this? Like for real. Because I knew for sure. And I thought about going back to Atlanta and I was like, okay, you told me to create the podcast, but I know if I go back to Atlanta, I'm going to be in the streets. I'm going to be selling real estate. There's no way I'm sitting down to do podcast interviews. So it was just kind of like, I'm going to be still. You haven't told me to leave yet, God. So let me just keep doing this. And he has provided. I'm not hurting for anything, which is just so amazing. And it was just like, the more I talked to more real estate investors, things started making sense. And I'm like, okay, I feel the opportunity is going to be showing up soon or there. And then I started just connecting um, investors with people that were listening. And I'm still like, okay, God, I'm still waiting. Like that person doesn't want to know about me or what I can offer them. They want to know about mobile home investing, but I got it. But that's what I wanted to be was that plug. So it was like, once I finally realized that it was not about me, it was never about me. It's always about serving. That's when another level for real estate investing started to make sense to me. Wow. So um, at the time of this uh, recording, uh, how many episodes do you have? Right now, we just put out one today. So we're at 40, 39 or 40. Wow. Yeah. And we have four that have been already recorded. That'll be going out in the month of July. How many, um, not how many, yeah. How many do you put out a week? Or well, how we often do, do you put them out? We go out every Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm behind. I'm, I've got a <laughs> lot to catch up. But, uh, yeah. We go out every Wednesday and they're getting better and better. I mean, it's, it's definitely grown me. That is for sure. And and it's not even about me. That was the thing. I just had to get me out of the way. But then I started realizing, like, wait a minute, this person actually. And I guess for me, too, it was also getting through the barrier of not feeling worthy because I know a lot about real estate investing. I love real estate investing, but still. And I'm pretty sure a lot of listeners are thinking like right now to themselves, like, I, you know, I'm not capable of doing this. I can't be a real estate investor. I can't own a house. I can, I can, I can. And it's not true. And you always, and I think everybody always finds the bad thing in them instead of finding the good thing. So when I'm talking to a real estate investor and they're like, yeah, I just, you know, made a profit of a hundred thousand dollars yesterday from a deal. And it's like, oh my gosh, a hundred thousand dollars. I just make a hundred thousand in a year, if that, and they're just making it in a day. You start to question yourself. Like I'm not worthy to have a podcast or I'm not worthy to have something, but it's like you are, but you're trying to measure it by comparing yourself to somebody else. And that's not what you should be doing. And it's not real. So just getting past all those barriers, it, it was like, okay, at the end of the day, we're all human. Our bank accounts might be different, but we're still the same. Right. So what do you think you like better, being mm-hmm. an investor or a realtor? Oh, by far an investor. Well, I take that back. I like being the investor slash realtor because I think realtors have a great responsibility because they have to teach their clients. And I don't get to having the podcast and the blog. It doesn't give me the, the opportunity the way I used to, to be that realtor. So it's like, okay, let me use my voice with the podcast. Let me use you know my words through the blog of explaining to anybody. So I wouldn't have to just limit myself to the the nine clients I might be working with. It's like, no, if anybody wants to know about how to buy a house, I'm about to make a podcast about it. I'm about to write a blog about it. So that way I can reach more people. And that's just been better for me to be like that investor real estate, the realtor real estate investor. Because anytime I talk to my clients when I was a realtor, Keith, I was always telling them about real estate investing every time. And I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is our strategy. And they just went for it because they were first time buyers. And I was like, and I told them my story about real estate investing and how it gave me the opportunity to not have to go to work. Because when my dad was um, sick with cancer, I just drove around each property and paid all my bills. And I explained that to them. Like, okay, do you realize, you know, with this house that you have, if you got another, 
if something were to happen, this property can be paying for it. And, you know, I had to teach them about financial um, strategies like, hey, if it's two people buying a house, I really want you to get approved on one income. So if something were to happen, you're not going to lose it. Have you considered getting a home insurance? I mean, that life insurance policy that could cover, you know, how much this house is going to, you know, pay off if something were to happen to you. So it was like those conversations that I had that I'm not able to do now, but I can do it during the podcast because I had a great conversation on my podcast about like, how to protect our homes if something were to happen to us because it was during COVID. And I'm like, you know, when COVID started happening, the minorities were affected more than anybody else. And I was there more people than just reading meeting than meeting two clients. So with that, um, it sounds like you had a Although you weren't showing properties and you had, I guess, moved, right? Mm-hmm. It sounded like you had an awesome 2020. Um, it was. I'm an introvert. Okay. So I really got to say, finally, I get to be still and not have to explain to anybody why I don't want to go to the club or I don't want to go out to dinner. I want to go show a property. I can just stay put. So it was a good year for me. Yeah. I, so... <laughs> I do a lot of networking, right? Mm -hmm. But I love to be home. (laughs) So when that happened, I felt like while I was working hard because so many mortgages and applications and I didn't have to move, um, I just loved not having to go anywhere. Like I host a real estate networking event that I Mm -hmm. didn't have to go to. (laughs) Like I didn't have to go to it. I didn't have to plan it. Yeah. I felt like it just gave me, gave gave us a sense of like woosah. Absolutely. Because we move, people don't realize in real estate, you and I, we don't physically work hard. But when we get home and we're done, it's mentally draining it's because so they- draining. People look at us as this is my perspective. Mm -hmm. They look at it as they make all of this money doing transactions and it seems glamorous. Yeah. But nobody unless you're in the business or have done the business, we're really counselors. Yes. Because we're talking Mrs. Jones off the ledge. We're trying to get Mrs. Jones to not listen to her family who's never bought a house. Speak on it. We're talking to Mr. Jones Mm -hmm. to get him to help to follow her goal. You know what I mean? Her goal to get home ownership. Yeah. Um, And I've got a little running joke when I talk to couples. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, uh, you know, if they're married or whatever it is. I say, hey, man, you understand you're not picking the house because the woman picks the house. We can feel like we are. But whatever mama say goes. Yeah. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Absolutely. Happy life. And so it's draining because at the end of the day, it's not just one conversation. Mm-hmm. It's typically everybody you deal with. Yeah. But I will say uh-huh. the one person you don't have those conversations with are investors. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. Because they have a different perspective on what they're buying. And that's why I love to talk to investors. Will you hear me on my podcast? I'm like, okay, I got to get into your mind. I got to get into your mind. Because we just think so differently. And you're you're right. You are so right. And it's, it's funny because I think I even had a client one time. She was a single mom. Oh, gosh. I love her to death. But we were like sisters fighting. And I called her my baby sister because we would have it out. And then we'd be apologizing. But I got her to get the house because she was so determined that she did. I think it was too like not feeling worthy. She didn't feel deserving. And I told her this. I was like, OK, how long do you plan to be in this house? I ain't moving. Once I get this house, I'm in it forever. 
And I was like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do then. I need you to find a house that needs a little bit of rehab work so that you can get some equity. And then it's going to be a low low mortgage too, because ain't nobody going to want it. That way you can get a lower mortgage and then we can start paying it off. I'm going to give you a payoff strategy you could use and start doing that, right? So ironically, she did it. But the hard part was, I told her, like, you know, this is how real estate investors think. And she just, I'm not a real estate investor. I'm not. A re-. I was like, you are. You bought below value. And we ended up negotiating and the sellers even put a brand new roof on our house. Like, this is what real estate investors do. I am not a real estate investor. I am, I mean... And I'm like, it is okay. There's nothing wrong with feeling like you can build wealth. You're using it in real estate. Your house has a lot of money in it now. And she would not receive that. And I was like, okay, this is something deeper. This has nothing to do with me. This is some <laughs> other issue that going on. And I loved her to death. But, and it was so funny because even during this market, she was like, girl, I'm so glad you told me about this because my house is worth such and such right now. I'm glad you listened. Right. You know? <laughs> Right. It's it's just, you know, like they're investors mindsets because they're not emotionally attached to the property. You know, does we see the money in it? It's the money. Yeah, it's the money. So the podcast is doing well. And educate us on the blogging piece, the significant, oh. the, the significance of blogging and doing a podcast, because if I, I hear people do one or the other. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I hear them do both. What's the significance of uh, the blogging okay. piece? I'm glad you asked that. I am so glad you asked that. This is something that I would I said, once I start making some money from this, I'm going to definitely start talking about this in our community because we're sleeping on this. The, the, the blog is pretty much an idea I've had since I got my real estate license, because I've been trying to do a blog for years. Once I've heard about blogs and I was living overseas, I heard about it. I "I need to create a blog. I need to create a blog. There are millionaires because of blogs, but we don't talk about it. And when I decided to become a realtor and I would have clients say, well, hey, you know, what happens after this? What happens after that? I started writing. I had a like, I said, okay, you know what? Create a website and let's start writing about certain things that a buyer might, you know, question. And I would just say, hey, I just sent you, I wrote a blog and I'm going to send you the link to it so you can just read it tonight. So that way they weren't asking me so many questions. It was like my counter question. To, I mean, their answer to a question they may have about buying a house, right? Then I just happened to be scrolling and I saw this lady that was a coach for bloggers. And I'm like, how in the hell is somebody a coach for bloggers? So I just had a conversation with her and I told her what I was doing. She said, oh my gosh, yes, you'd be so perfect because nobody blogs as a realtor. And I'm like, okay. I'll try it. So I took up coaching with her and I learned so much from her. I only had three sessions, but when I tell you it changed my life because she was saying how much money I could make and she broke it all down to structure, how to structure it, how to write it, how to get on the podcast, how to make your offer and all that other stuff. Right. But and a lot of people are doing that now, like they have their product, they have their course, but they're still missing money from the blogging. And I see blogging. And that was another reason why I was like, OK, God, where is it already? Where is it already? Because he told me to start the blog again and, of course, the podcast to go along with it. But with the blog, you don't need a lot of visitors to come to your website, but you can make a lot of money. Like if you put ads, because I finally qualify with my life in real estate.com to put ads on there. Anytime somebody comes and I'm driving using my podcast to drive them to my website, I'm getting paid. So I'm seeing my blog as real estate. It's an asset. It has value. I found a website one night where you could type in your web, your um, your domain. It'll tell you how much it's worth at the present time. 
because people trade and they buy websites just like it's real estate and they may grow it or they may take it as it is and you get paid for it. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, this is like real estate on my laptop. I'm doing this. So that's pretty much what I'm doing now. And so I, I get up every morning, I'm on my blog, I'm writing articles and my goal is to get like so many views. Like right now I got to get 150 articles on my website by the end of August. So that will just pretty much double or triple what I'm getting right now. Um, I did exactly what I found on this guy called the Income School. I listened to them and I did exactly what they said. And I've already, I mean, my, my new website is only maybe a month in. Yeah, we're at a month because it's the first. I, I dropped it the first of June. It's only a month in. I'm already at 2,600 views. That's unheard of for a brand new blog. So now it's like, okay, now we're going to put the ads on there. That's a stream of income. Now I'm going to start creating more products because the more people that come to my site, that's going to be more people that are going to be buying my products. And like, I'm getting more more money from my ads. So that is just, and then the affiliates. So, I mean, it's like literally like maybe five to six streams of income that you can make just from having a website. Wow. Yeah. It, It is like collecting rent. You see me, uh, I started taking notes. Yeah. Oh, that's what you were doing. You're taking notes. (laughs) Because like my, my, it's crazy because I never asked my sister blogs. Yeah. Um, She blogs and I just thought it was a way of, you know, getting a message out. Mm -mm. It's big money. Yeah. And I actually, I would hear about, um, I got going to podcast rooms on Clubhouse. Yeah. And then I hear people talking about blogging. Um, Matter of fact, I think one lady, she blogs about travel Mm -hmm. in between like credit card points and the blog. She doesn't have a house. Like she lives in hotels and goes, just travels the world. Yeah. 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 It is. It is. Well, this is the thing. I think a lot of people, why, why they don't get into it. And that's why I'm so glad I had I used COVID-19 to my advantage at Shelter in Place because that gave me a, a good footing to get a good foundation in it. Because it's hard. Like I said, you got to have like 150. This is my strategy. Why I think it worked is to get that 150 within a three month segment, because then Google sees that, oh, my gosh, this girl's not playing. This site is for real, for real. And then that's when they start sending more viewers to view your website. But the money that you can make, I mean, from the sponsorships, because like I could um, it was something that I have now. It's like a it's like a Therabox that I get. And I just happened to look at it. It's like, hey, we're looking for sponsors. And I'm just like, wait a minute. They telling me they would pay me if I just write on my blog about how much I love Therabox. They'll they'll pay me for it. There are websites that you go to. You just supply with your website how many current viewers you have. And they'll say, hey, we want to connect you with this company write a review on Therabox and they send you a check. That's another stream of income just from that blog. And they say, oh, this is a sponsored post. Bam, that's a check. Then if I put in like all the affiliates, like PropStream is one deal. I think this DealMaker is another one. It is so many companies that work with real estate investors. They're affiliates. They're on my website. Then you can start doing your eBooks. That's another stream of income. I mean, I'm just giving the game away for free because it's all over YouTube anyway. Um, and then the ads. Anytime somebody comes to my website, it's just money coming in. Yeah. So, yeah, it, so yeah, I mean, I guess. So, so my problem mm-hmm. is I'm not a, I don't a like writer. to write. No. Okay. I don't, I don't like to write. Um, well, I'll so give you two strategies for that. I think I know one, but okay. you tell me, coach. <laughs> I'm going to claim that because I want to be a blogging coach because I'm like, we're missing out on this opportunity. But one way you can do that is transcribe everything. Yeah. So, software or yeah. just use? Mm-mm. Transcript. I think it's called Transcript is the website where you just talk and then you upload it and it puts everything that you just said into words. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. I'm laughing because I know when I talk to text, sometimes the word comes out wrong. So I can't mm-hmm. send that. <laughs> yeah, you do that. And then you can also um, hire writers. There's several bloggers that just say we're going to hire people to write. And it just the same thing. They're called ghostwriters. And you just put all that writing on your blog and it, they send it. Got you. So our so we've got the blogging we've got the um the podcast mm-hmm. and if you're listening to my podcast go check out my sister's podcast i'm not just saying that's why i reached out to her because i heard how nice it was you know like how good it was um and i wanted to have a fellow podcaster who's in the real estate space on so you know i don't know god's connection you know yeah, through kim yeah. and candace i saw that they were on there and that's how i was able to oh, find wow. out who you were yeah i know kim and candace um <laughs> so um i definitely and actually i need to reach out to them and get them on the show yeah um, oh I've, I've, yeah i've seen their growth i've seen yeah. their growth um yep. so now For the teacher, the nurse, the Walmart worker, Mm -hmm. the candlestick maker, um, if they just they what are two things you would have them do Mm -hmm. to change their mindset if they're thinking about getting into real estate? Mm, Just two. Give me what you got. (laughs) then. I didn't want to give it all away. You got to send them to the blog. Um. I would say two things. Mm, that is a hard one because I have literally like 10 in my head right now. Well, give us all you. We'll take okay, whatever I, you want to give us. OK, I would say one thing you've got to you got to change your tribe. You got to not saying you got to get rid of your friends. I'm not saying that or your family, but they don't get it. So if you're listening and you feel like a seed is planted in you that you want to become a real estate investor and use real estate as a, a tool for wealth, you can Google this. You can go to YouTube for this. You can go to podcasts for this. And you can do this by yourself. You don't have to make your friends understand this because it's not for them to understand. If God has put the seed in you, it is for you and you only. And sometimes you just have to walk alone and it's okay because you're not really by yourself. It's the community waiting on you. We love to work um, and help other investors, especially get into this. So I would say the first thing you got to do is separate yourself from, you know, the people that you're with. And then you just get with them when you want to hang out and don't want to talk about real estate. You know, I have those friends for that. But then there's times where it's like, okay, I really need to to reach out to to Keith and talk about this deal or talk about this loan that I'm thinking about getting because you've got to have the different conversations. If you don't do that, you're not going to be successful in this. There's no way that anybody could do any real estate deals or investing and you're not around other investors because you're going to have to talk about what you're doing or you're going to do it wrong. <laughs> so I would say that would be the first thing. And I would say the second thing is just educate yourself. You know, this is education is free. It is so much information for free. And if you feel like um, you can make yourself more accountable by taking a course, I got a course Yeah, I would love for you to take. And it's all about real estate investing for beginners. And it's on my, li- my website, mylifeinrealestate.com. But there's so many courses out there that could just give you the fundamentals. And once you take that course, it's like, okay, I got it. I think I want to go into this. Or I think I want to be a wholesaler or a flipper or be a landlord or, or get an Airbnb. But just figure out what it is that you want to do. You may like, I don't want none of it. I might just want to buy some land and look at it every day. You're a real estate investor. But just take action because the thing is too, you can also, this was my number three, it is so much information out there. You can get information overload and not take action. Get over the fears and do it anyway. That's it. So, which leads to another question. For the investor who's thinking about investing, but they also think that they need to have their real estate license, what would be your <laughs> advice on that? 
I think that's a matter of opinion. Um, that's a matter of opinion because I had a great conversation with uh, Tamara Mutri this week that's going to be on my podcast. And she's a real estate investor. I mean, she has the Burr method, which is for those that don't know what the Burr method is, it's something that a lot of real estate investors do, landlords, where we buy, we rehab, we refinance, well, we rent it and then we refinance it and then we repeat it and do the exact same thing again. Well, she was saying how she she discussed her 20 strings of income through real estate. And when we talked about it, it's a phenomenal episode. She pretty much said that a lot of investors are missing out on money because they don't have their license and how she broke it down. I'm like, you know what? She's kind of right, because we have all these properties, you want to unload them. There's so much software out here now to where you can do your comps. You know, and the market's going to tell you what it's worth, but you're giving your all that money away to realtors, like literally 3%, because you got to give three to the other side, but you're giving 3% away and you don't have to if you just take your real estate license. And now after COVID, I don't even think they resume classes in person. You can get your license online. And I think it's pretty easy because everybody I know right now has their real estate license. So it's kind of like while we're still somewhat, somewhat still shelter in place in a sense, go ahead and get it. I mean, it wouldn't hurt you. And if you feel like it's a waste of time after you get it, just go inactive. But even still, it's so much leverage with the leverage with the license, because if you have it, you don't want to actively sell real estate and you know somebody that wants to get a house, you just refer it to another agent and you still get a check from it. So it's another stream of income that you can make easily. So it's kind of like, why would you not get your real estate license? You know, because if you're going to buy and you see something on the MLS, instead of getting that realtor, you could write the offer, you know, so you're losing money. Now, on the other side of it, where I kind of sort of feel like you don't need the license is if you're a wholesaler, because I've seen wholesaling and you have a real estate license hurt some deals. Like I try to do wholesaling, but you have to disclose as a realtor that you are a realtor when you're talking to these sellers. And a lot of sellers do not want to fool with realtors. They're like, ah, you're not taking my commission. I ain't giving up all that commission. But if you just say, oh, I'm a wholesaler, I'm just a regular person, ma'am, they're not immediately going to think that you're taking money. They'll let their guard down and like, okay, I could trust them. So that's the only thing with, you know, having it as a real estate investor. It depends on what kind of sector of real estate investing, real estate investing you're in. Gotcha. So in terms of the actual licensing part, mm-hmm. um, just for someone listening and they're in Georgia, give us give us uh, the breakdown of what it all it entails. To get your real estate license? Yes, get Ooh. your real estate license. That's a good question. Just, I know, just the basics. Yes, the basics, but I'm not sure how many course hours it is online. I know when I was taking it in person, we went four weeks. So okay. I want to say, ooh, I don't know how many hours that adds up to. Is it 75? I think it could be think 75. 75. You could be correct. So I don't know if it's the, but I think, see, at that time when you took it online, it was a little bit harder. Um, It was more hours, but you did it on demand. Right. So I don't know how they're doing it online now. So you just take it online. Like I said, everybody's got it. So I think it's pretty easy because <laughs> everybody has a real estate license. And you take it online, you pass it online, they send you a certificate, then you go to um, Grec, if I'm not mistaken. It is a website where you go and you register to take the state test to get your license. And then once you register there, you go in person. I'm pretty sure you still go in person to get your license. You go in person to take the test and then bam, you've got it. Yeah, I don't think they're going to let you take that one at home. No, that would be... Everybody really would have their license then. And I would start a business. Like, I'll take a test for you. <laughs> I'll take a test for you. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, Candle, this has been an awesome interview. It was a um, great conversation. It is. It is. It is great conversation. 
Um, for anyone who's interested in listening to your podcast or uh, checking out your blog, can you give us your uh, information on how they can listen? Absolutely. My website where you can find me, my blog, my podcast, my course, mylifeinrealestate.com. Got you. Awesome. And if they want to reach out to you via social media? Yep. Everything is Candle Locket. C-A-N-D-L-E-L-O-C-K-E-T-T. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your time. I look forward to having an update on your course and your blog, your your 50 streams of income from blogging. I know. I can't (laughs) wait. I can't wait. Oh, it's awesome. Thank you for your time. This is this the real estate. So much fun. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it was. I could keep talking, but I know you got I know, to do. I know, I know, like it's coming to an end. <laughs> well, this is the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson, and our guest, Candle Lockett. You have a good night. Thank you for listening and be sure to follow Kevin on Instagram at the People's Lender. We'll see you here next time on Real Estate Proverbs with Kevin Jefferson.